0: I have the privilege this morning of, uh, we're going to take communion now, and I have the privilege privilege of introducing my wife, Riss, is going to come and take us through communion this morning.
1: Good morning. Oh, that's bright. Host team, if you could please hand out the elements, that'd be awesome. So I've been pondering lately on the meaning of the word communion, not in the sense of the bread and the cup of juice, but on the word communion in terms of communing together. This is how the dictionary defines the word communion, the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially on a mental and spiritual level. I'd say that that's what relationship with God is meant to be about. Communing together, sharing and exchanging those intimate thoughts and feelings. I love that. The world's view of God, if they even believe in Him, can often be as Him being like a grumpy big boss who doesn't care about us as people, but rather all about the rules. Nothing personal, not warm, not friendly, but God wants relationship with us. Relationship was broken through sin back in the Garden of Eden. We all sin, but the God of heaven reaches out to us. You see these painted hands on the canvases here, reaching down, drawing in, reached out to us. That's how God is. He reaches out to us. He draws us in just wants us to come run into his arms. Psalm 116 verse 2 says, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. I've been reading Libby Huirua's book since they were here earlier this year, her book called Journey. And in it, she talks about her time with God each morning. She gets up early and she starts off her day with him. And she tells about how one particular morning, God woke her up early, earlier than normal at 5am. That's early. He asked God. She asked God why, and he told her that he was just so excited about his time with her that morning that he couldn't wait anymore, and so he woke her up early. What a cool picture of God's excitement over spending time with us. He delights in us. He wants to be in relationship with us. That's the God that I want to be in relationship with. And now we're going to turn the hands facing sideways. Mike and Cornel. Thanks, guys, for helping. Other way, Cornel. (laughs) Thank you. The hands sideways remind me of Jesus' hands outstretched on the cross. 1 John 4.10 says, This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus' death on the cross meant that our communion with God could be restored. Kate Judson says in her course about the power of prayer, For God, a person is never a project but rather a lifetime pursuit. He who sent his Son to remove the wedge between us, everything about him pursues connection. So, first we've had God's arms extended down to us, drawing us in, and then Jesus' arms outstretched in sacrifice for us because of his great love. And then we come and we turn the hands upwards. This is a reflection of us. In all that we know about God through our intimate and personal communion with Him, we worship Him. We give Him glory for all He's done, for all He is, because He is worthy to be praised. To me, raising hands is also about surrender. We surrender our hearts to Him. We surrender our desires and our future. We surrender each day to Him. This process of surrender isn't easy at times. It's a continual process, it's a journey. A personal example for me is that we have this space right down here that is open for people to come forward to during our singing worship time. And at times it's not so hard for me to come forward to this space. But there are other times that I really battle internally I'm not saying that I have to come up the front here to worship, but sometimes I feel that nudge from God and I know that He wants me to surrender. I desire to come forward, but sometimes there's nobody else up there. And so if I come forward, it might just be me. Other times people may come up or they may not. So it's a battle of, do I come up here anyway? I don't like to stand out. But I want to go up and I want to give my all to Him in worship. Sometimes it might take a whole song for me to finally walk up. That's just a small example of surrender. Is there any area that God is asking you to surrender? Sometimes stepping out in obedience isn't easy, but it leads to greater communion with Him. Last week I went to Naomi and place and I was playing with my nephew, Ryan. He's two and a half and he's now talking and he was telling me about what he'd been doing and he was showing me his toys and talking about them and inviting me to play with him and asking for help when he needed it. And he's currently in the phase of asking lots of why questions. You know those questions, why? and he'll listen to the answer and then he'll follow it up with another. Why? He wants to know, he's learning and he's understanding how this world around him works. And I think that that's a pretty good picture of what God wants communion between us and him to be like. For us to turn to him, tell him what's been happening, what we're feeling, sharing our struggles, asking for help, asking those questions listening to the answers, inviting him into all of our daily life. Rick Warren says you will never grow a close relationship with God just by attending church once a week or even having a daily quiet time. Friendship with God is built by sharing all your life experiences with him. So when we take communion today, we remember all he's done. It's that communing together with him that he paved a way for. As we take the elements together now, take a moment for yourself. I'm not gonna pray over us all, but I just wanna leave you with your own moment to commune with God. And reflect on the position of the hands. He reaches down to us. Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross for us. Can we reach out our arms to him in worship and surrender? Take a moment.
2: Worship. So if you'd like to stand and um, join us. about to do a, a new song in the in our time here and it's called Do It Again by Elevation Worship and I just wanted to share something um, around the song um, I've heard this song so many times and I would listen to it and I love it, it's so incredible and um, when I saw this on the song list I actually went through and read the lyrics um, and kind of tried to understand, you know, um, the revelation behind it. And um, for me, what I what I got out of it is um, that God never fails us, and no matter what, He always comes through. And I shared in the the first gathering that I'm a miracle standing here in this this church, and part of this family. Um, like my my family, they they are in a different church. Um, I had quite a a intense bringing up, and so me being here, I see it as a miracle. Like God did something; someone was praying for me for me to be here right now. And um, in these these words, it says, "I've seen you move; you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again." And like for me, I feel like I was the mountain. You know, <laughs> like I he moved through me so I could be here, and he's gonna do it again for someone else, someone else, someone else, and that's not just um, in coming to God, but also like in finances. I mean, you might be struggling with something, it could be sickness, but I just so believe, you know, that God God is a provider and He always comes through, no matter, there's no time on it. Like this morning, I came into church limping because I whacked my foot on my bed. Um, don't know how I did that. Um, and um, I came into church, it was so sore. Um, and I didn't know that I was gonna come into this gathering with a foot that's healed. Two people prayed over my foot. And I was like up here in the praise and I was like, oh my gosh, like my foot's not sore anymore. Like I went and changed my outfit because I was wearing the wrong shoes, but like there's nothing wrong with my foot now. Um, and that is God, God moves. He moved through me. He healed my foot, you know, big or small, God moves through anything. And so Lord, I thank You so much that no matter what, You're walking with us every single step of the way. And I just pray that in this time of worship, that we'd be able to come to your altar, that we'd be able to surrender, Lord. We're in your hands, we're in your presence. Thank you, Father, that you never fail us, that you are the provider, that you heal us, that you set us free, that we don't have to say a slave to anything, Father, because you give us freedom. Thank you, Father.
0: I thank you that our confidence is in you. Father, we choose not to look to the left or to the right, but we choose to look to you. I thank you that you are present here this morning, Holy Spirit, and we welcome you. We love your presence. I would ask that every person would experience this morning something of connecting to you. Father, the people would, every person would profess to be a follower of Jesus this morning, I ask that every one of us would know something of your presence in this place. Love, grace, mercy, kindness. Thank you that you are the God who has a smile on his face. Toward us. I don't think it. I know it. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Whatever your view of God is, it's not good enough. He's better. Far, far better. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. I've missed you. I've been here, there, and everywhere. But it's nice to be back home this morning. And uh, you take a seat. Nicely. There's nowhere like home, is there? Nowhere quite like home. Riss, that was fantastic. Did you do those paintings especially for this morning? That is outstanding. Yeah, give her a big hand. That was wonderful. Well, I think we'd been comparing notes too, actually. We'll see. If you've got your Bibles, would you like to open up to Isaiah chapter 55? I was going to do... Part of my series I've been doing on Purposed Living this morning, but I felt to go this way instead, so it may be another one of those series that I never finish, (laughs) but that's all right. Here we go, Isaiah 55. I'm reading from the message uh, version this morning, which may read slightly different from whatever you've got in front of you, because mine starts like this, Isaiah 55 verse 1, hey there! which some of yours may not say. (laughs) Hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come away, buy and eat. Come, buy your drinks, buy wine and milk, buy without money. Everything's free. Why do you spend your money on junk food, your hard-earned cash on candy floss? Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself with only the finest. Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. I'm making a lasting covenant commitment with you. The same that I made with David. It's sure, it's solid, it's enduring love. I set him up as a witness to the nation's made him a prince and a leader of the nations. And now I'm doing it to you. You'll summon nations you've never heard of and nations who have never heard of you will come running to you because of me, your God, because the Holy of Israel has honored you. Seek God while he's here to be found. Pray to him while he's close at hand. Let the wicked abandon their way of life and the evil and the evil their way of and the evil their way of thinking let them come back to god who is merciful come back to our god who is lavish with forgiveness i don't think the way you think the way you work isn't the way i work declares god for as the sky soars high above earth so the way i work surpasses the way you work And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Father, I pray this morning that we would have open hearts toward you. That you would give us the ability to to, to still our minds and still our spirits before you. That our hearts would be open to you. And this morning we would know what it is to connect with a loving, merciful, kind, patient compassionate God in Jesus name I love the scripture I love the sense of invitation in the scripture, it says all the way through it says come, you know come to the water, come anyway, come by fill yourself, come close now, seek God while he's still there at hand, pray while he's close, come back to God, come back to God, I love that sense of invitation that's there and that reflects the heart of God to us doesn't it this invitation to come don't know if you've worked it out yet, but God's done everything. All there is left for us to do is to come. And this passage of Scripture, I think, communicates that really well, this sense of, come, please come. Come and enjoy my salvation. Come and enjoy the relationship. Come and connect with me and love it. And in fact, the Scriptures all the way through in different ways issue the same invitation. And Three of, my favorites, what, three of my favorites are wait on, in other words, wait on God. In other words, come, wait on God. <clears throat> Draw near to God and be still and know that I am God. That's three of my favorites. And I love these words because they, again, they have that sense of invitation about them. But I also love them because at first value, when you look at them, they appear passive, be still. Wait. Draw near. It's sort of not a lot of action there, is it? It it feels very passive, but they're not passive. They're an invitation and in fact, maybe in today's world like never before in history, to wait actually requires purpose. To be still requires intention. It's very hard to be still in today's world if you're not intentional. To be still. So I don't think they're impassive at all. I think they're words of, of invitation and that we need to embrace them. We actually need to do something with them if we're going to be purposed or in, live an intentional life about them. I don't know about you, but I think the pace of today's world makes it very, very difficult to stop. Sometimes I have great intentions of stopping, but intention and stopping are often. Two different things. But the Bible's very, very clear about stopping. Right from early on in Scripture, very, very early on, Genesis, early Genesis, it talks about Sabbath. In other words, stop and rest. God on the seventh day stopped and rested. And there's a sense of stopping, of resting, that is incredibly valuable for us if we will do it. I wonder how often we stop and wait, or we draw near, or we're still before God. And I don't mean a token gesture, I mean we really stop. When's the last time that you really waited before God? More than two seconds. I find I go, okay, Lord, today's the day. I will be still. 30 seconds later, my brain ties, fires up and i spend the next time trying to reel my brain my thoughts back in, hopeless. Because life is so fast-paced, it takes time to stop. And it takes effort and intention to stop and be still. And I mean really stop, not just a few seconds. I mean stop, be still, wait on, draw near to Him. Jen and I shifted a couple of months ago, I think now. And one of the reasons I, I really wanted to shift was I just needed some change and life was going too fast for me. And I've always wanted to live in the country, so we've moved to the country. And one of the things that, is, that I'm so enjoying is the colour green, which will come to view some of you as a surprise. Others, I just say this to torture Pastor Ray, who for some reason likes blue. But But I sit in my chair and I look out the window and we've got a view out over some farmer's land and the green, and it's just, it's incredible to stop. But if I don't become intentional about it, I still don't stop. But if I'm intentional and I stop and I sit there and I just soak it, it's good for my soul. I just let that green soak in. It's why I'm so healthy. The green just soaks into my being. It's a beautiful thing. But you've got to stop. Let's go to 1 Kings, chapter 19. If you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to turn there. It's much better when you turn there yourself. That first song we sang in the second lot of songs there, mountains melt like wax and all that. You know, I've heard people go, why are we singing about the weather and stuff here? Uh, what's that mean? If you know your Bible, you know you're singing Scripture. And it's a metaphor. But if you don't know your Bible, you go, what do you mean? The mountains are like wax and the rain's spilling out and all this stuff. You've got to know the scripture. It gives you some context. Here we go. 1 Kings 19 from verse 11. So this is Elijah. Elijah was an interesting chap, to say the least. He didn't have the easiest of journeys. He has just come off a 40-day fast. He's climbed Mount Sinai, and he's now in a cave. And God speaks to him. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. As Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was, it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah heard the voice of God, but he did not hear it in the wind, he did not hear it in the earthquake. He did not hear it in the fire. He heard it in a whisper. He was also up a mountain in a cave. Picture has a sense of of withdrawing, doesn't it? Into a place where we can actually hear. How many of you know that if we're making noise, if we're talking, if we're preoccupied, we don't hear a whisper? You just don't hear it. It goes on without you. But if we're stilled, If we're aware, if we're attentive, we'll hear a whisper. And the mountain's a good place to be. The cave's a good place to be. It would have been hard work getting up there, but once he was there, actually I find going to the mountain's always hard work. If you think of the mountain as a place where you disconnect from the world so that you can hear from God, the mountain is always a hard place to go to. There's always stuff that needs to be done. And always when you've made plans, just before you go, something happens. Just about inevitable. But Elijah is on the mountain, he's in the cave, and he hears the whisper of God in the stillness. I've discovered this, and it's been said before, that if the devil cannot dissuade you from pursuing the call of God on your life, he will get behind you and push you into it with such ferocity that you'll explode because we don't stop. We've got to step out. We've got to take a breath. We need to learn to enjoy the presence of God. I want to speak about three things briefly this morning and it's the three phrases. Be still. Is where we'll start. Be still. Number one, be still. If you go to Psalm 46 and verse 10, it's a beautiful psalm. I'm going there with you, so hopefully it gives you time to turn there rather than me having it all in front of me. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation and I will be honored throughout the earth. Be still and know that I am God. If you do some homework on the language there, the original language, you will find that be still means do nothing. Be quiet. Disconnect from the world around you. That's what be still means. Do nothing. Be quiet. Disconnect from the world and know that I am God. Now the word know is very interesting because know that I am God is not a theological or an academic word. It is an experiential word. In other words, if you be still and disconnect, and a quiet and a listen, you will know. You will experience something of God. Experience is important. I think of um, uh, uh, Mary and Martha in, in Luke chapter 10. There's a time to do, but there's a time to stop and do nothing. And Martha understood that. She understood that she was in the presence of. Div- divine royalty and she decided to stop and sit be in be present in his company it was amazing maybe it's a little bit like a car sometimes we just need to stop put the car in neutral and just say that's it pressure off it just needs to stop It just needs to be still can i ask you a couple of questions do you know what it is like to be still in god's presence Do you know what it's like? Do you know what it is to be still in God's presence? Do you practice being still in his presence? I wonder what needs to happen for you to stop. Are you willing to stop? Or are you waiting to be stopped? My experience tells me that if I don't stop willingly, I will be stopped. Be it health or something else, if we don't stop willingly, we will be stopped at some point. Do you know what it's like to be in his presence? Why don't you just for 30 seconds, just take a deep breath and just relax and be aware of his presence. second phrase I love is draw near. Draw near. In James chapter 4 and verse 8 it says, come close to God. Other translations say, draw near to God and God will come close or God will draw near to you. From verse 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands you sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up and honor you. I know that reads quite negative, but what it's saying is if we draw near to Him, we come close. The holiness of God actually exposes who we are. It exposes what's right and what's wrong in our world. And we don't need to stress that. Jesus paid the price for all that. But it exposes, it brings truth, it brings perspective to who we are. But we gain that not by trying hard or by beating ourselves. We gain, we gain that insight simply by spending time in the presence of God. The language here again is beautiful. Draw near. It means to make near or make close to approach to be at hand but what the, the picture around it literally is a joining together and that's the invitation for us literally to join together make a joining together between ourselves and God again Jesus has done everything all we've got to do is respond to him all we've got to do is respond to his invitation and come Jesus went to a cross we mucked it up People mucked it up, didn't we? We had a beautiful relationship with God at the start. We mucked it up. We made a mess of it. That relationship was severed. End of story. Not end of story, but it appeared end of story. And, and there was no way for humanity to cross that divide back to God. It was a sever in the relationship. Jesus goes to the cross. He pays the price necessary to be, pra- to be paid for that relationship to, to be restored. He goes to the cross. He pays the price. The Father raises him on the third day. Now, we live in a place where the price for restoration has been restored. We've just got to come. And that's all we've got to do. We can't do anything else. He's done it all. He just says, come. Bible tells us that if we believe in our hearts, in the book of Romans, if we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe that the Father raised him on the third day from death to life, The Bible says we will be saved. In other words, that relationship will be reconnected. It'll be restored, reestablished. And we then get to do life, our best life, I believe, with Jesus, not only now, but for all eternity. That is cool. That is awesome. So draw near. Draw near. We're, We're invited to draw near. Some of the Psalms talk about this. Beautifully, at the start there, Isaiah 55 that we read, was that whole sense of invitation to come to God. Some of the Psalms, as I said, are beautiful. Psalm 96, 96 and verse 8, says, Give to the Lord the glory he deserves, and bring your offering, and come into his courts. Again, the invitation, come into his courts. Psalm 100, which is one of my absolute favorites. From verse 2 to 4 says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. Again, that sense of invitation, of coming, of drawing near to him. He invites us to move, to enter, because he's done it all. How often do you intentionally move towards God? How often do you actually make the decision, you purpose within yourself, your intention, and go, today I'm going to move towards God. Today I'm going to draw near to God. Maybe I could phrase it another way what would stop you drawing near to God? Because the promise of Jesus is that He takes our guilt, He takes our wrongdoing, He takes our shame, He takes everything that would stop us connecting with Him. Any Get rid of it. The doorway is open. Wide, wide open for us to draw near to God. The third one, and this is the last one, is wait upon the Lord or wait upon. Isaiah forty and verse thirty-one says this. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. More traditional translations say those who wait upon the Lord will find new strength. Those who wait upon the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on the wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Those who Wait on the Lord again. It's not a passive, nothing word. The the, the word those who wait actually means those who look for, or those who are waiting in expectation for those who tarry, which is a sense of waiting with expectation. So it's those who look for the Lord, and the it's a Hebrew word. The picture there it's actually those that bind together with God. So again, there's action, there's intent here. Those who bind together with God will find new strength, which is interesting, isn't it? Because Ecclesiastes 4 says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better still for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So the sense of waiting upon the Lord is a sense of this binding together, the sense that you get strength because there's more than one. You're intertwined with something of the God it's powerful. So it's active. It's intentional. But I don't think relationship with God was ever supposed to be passive. Because he's a person. He's a person. We interact with people. We have relationship with people. With God, he is a person. We have relationship with him. He's not dead. He's alive. It's... it's. A living relationship. It's a vibrant relationship. And gets more life as we spend time with him. More vibrant as we're still before him. More vibrant as we draw near to him. More vibrant as we wait upon him. And I think a relationship, a purpose relationship with Jesus, has these three ingredients. It has to be still. It has to draw near and it has to wait upon I um understand that when you create wine to create a good wine takes time. I think they call the process aging, or is that cheese anyway, wine and cheese anyway, they age it don't they they apparently they put all the the ingredients together and as it spends time together the the flavors infuse into the overall and that's what gives it its character and its and its It's flavor and it's depth and everything else. I understand that to be true. But I know to be true how it works with steak. With steak, and I just happen to have a piece with me, I know that if I take my nice piece of steak, boy, that's nice. Getting close to lunch, too. Look, one minute to 12. I know that if I put this steak in this marinade, marinade, just let me do it properly. Boy, that smells good. What do you reckon, Lance? Oh, that does smell good, eh? Just imagine that sizzling on the barbecue. Can you imagine what that would be like, Hey, Wow. I bet you're feeling hungry about now. Yeah. <laughs> Sucks to be you. I get to eat this later. <laughs> oh, it is good. I just want to talk to you for slightly longer. I know that if I put steak in this marinade longer it's in there the better it's going to change the flavour of the steak because it's going to absorb all the flavours that I've put it into, uh, that are in there with it, not only is it going to absorb the flavour, it's actually going to change the structure of the meat, the meat is going to get softer I'll only have to chew it six times instead of 46 times and it's going to get better and better as it soaks in here. If for just a moment you can picture yourself as the steak and God as the marinade. Be still, wait upon, draw near. It's literally like steak and marinade. The more time we spend in the presence of God, the more time we take on His character. The more time we start to Boy, it does smell good. Um, the, the more we start to to just ooze the fragrance of God in everyday life, wherever we go, wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. But modern day Christianity, this is where we come up short. We either don't get in the marinade, or we just go on the barbecue, and then we wonder why we don't get the results that we're believing for, that we're hoping for, that God's promised for. And actually, it's our own fault because we never spent time in His presence. We've not taken the time to draw near. We've not taken the time to wait upon. Some things can't be rushed. And growing in godly character is one of those things. We need to get in His presence, and I want to encourage you but before I do I'll just put the lid on this and that will be my lunch at some point and I won't be sharing because I haven't been in long enough yet to have total godly character Jan will probably give it to Ray <laughs> yeah. you know sometimes we're trying to live a life and we're trying to live it out of the Internal push. We're trying to live a godly life out of an internal push because we read scripture and we see what a godly life looks like and the fruit of the spirit look like and and and, and we're going, well that's that's the the measure that we're meant to be trying to live at and we can push and we can strive and but it's not about that, it's about let's get in his presence and we will start to smell like that, we will start to look like that, we will start to exhibit those qualities because he is flowing through us. And We're about to hit the silly season, as they call it. It's going to be great. I don't know how they put silly and Christmas in the same sentence anyway. It's going to be awesome. But can I encourage you in the busyness of it to stop? Can I encourage you to be still? Can I encourage you to wait upon, to draw near to? Because at the end of the day, relationship is all that matters. At the end of the day, it is about relationship with Him. Your purpose will flow out of relationship. It never goes the other way. Well, not sustainably. If you're trying to strive for purpose in life and strive in a direction in life and you're kind of pulling Jesus along behind you, hoping it'll all work out, it's not sustainable. But if we start in His presence and we start by waiting upon and drawing near to Him, purpose will flow purpose will flow. I talk to many, many people who go, I've got no idea what my purpose in life is. Well, maybe you've never stopped and asked him. Oh, yes, I have. I have. Lord, what's my purpose in life? I haven't got time to listen now. No, that's not asking him. Elijah found himself up the mountain 40 days after a 40-day fast. That's listening. Preaching to you now, not me. (laughs) Uh, But you know what I mean? We've got to stop. Don't rip yourself off. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, you know, talks and says at the end, they'll go, but Lord, we did this, we did that, and we did the other thing. We cast out demons, we healed the sick, we did these marvelous signs and miracles. Jesus is not impressed one little bit by you using the gifts. They're His. What He is impressed about is relationship, godly character. And those things come from being in His presence. Jesus turned around in Matthew 7, yeah, but I didn't know you. I did not know you my greatest fear is that I've been called into this role by God and I don't want to get to heaven and he goes yeah well you did ABC but I didn't know you man that's a bad day in the office real bad day it's got to flow out of relationship take the time to be still take the time to draw near take the time to wait upon Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. You wouldn't describe yourself as a disciple of Jesus. What I've spout out is the invitation of God. It is an invitation to come and to journey life with Him. See, we get the choice. We either get to choose to go with Him or without Him. The choice is ours. The benefits of going with Him are huge. There's some major disadvantages choosing to go without Him he is our creator our designer human pride would stop us acknowledging that but he is our creator our designer we are designed to do life in relationship with him this morning you may not know maybe today's the day that you could start the journey maybe today you could say Jesus let's go on this journey together let me discover you. Let me get to know you. Scripture says, I think I mentioned before in Romans, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we believe in our heart that the Father rose him from the grave on the third day back to life. The Bible says we will be connected with Jesus. We will be, relationship will be formed. That's just the starting point. We start the journey journey of relationship can I ask you to bow your heads just for a moment please if you're here this morning and you're going you know I'd like to start that relationship maybe you've never ever started or you've started but for whatever reason you've stepped way back maybe today's the day to step up again if that's you this morning whether it be for the very first time or whether today you're saying Lord I want to go again I want to know you, I want to journey with you. I want to know this thing you call salvation. I want to know that my eternity is secure, but I want to live my best life with you. If you're saying yes to any of that, in just a moment I'm going to ask you to give me a wave just so I can acknowledge you very simply. Encourage you on the journey. morning if you're saying yes to jesus can you give me a wave please just let me see your hand briefly thanks Lord, I thank you that life is so much better with you. I thank you that you did everything to fill the gap and simply say to us to come, to wait, to draw near, to be still. Holy Spirit, I ask that as we go into this week, we would ooze something of the fragrance of a loving, compassionate, merciful, and kind God wherever we go. That we would express the nature of Jesus wherever we are. And Lord, it wouldn't be an academic exercise, but it would be because we've been in your presence and we just leak like you. Father, in the context of the illustration, it would be that we are well marinated in you. And Father, I pray that as we hit our city, or bad word, to go into our city this week, our town, our workplaces, our universities, schools, wherever it is, I pray that we would leak something of the fragrance of the kingdom of heaven. That we'd exhibit something of the nature of Jesus, and when it all goes pear-shaped and we make a mess of it all, that we'd be quick to get up and go again. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rest on every person in this place this morning, that every person would know something of your smile and your grace, your mercy and your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.